guys. Welcome to another Command Edit podcast episode, uh, the podcast for video editors by video editors. I am Josh Short, a freelance uh, editor from Northern Virginia, and uh, our other co-host is... I'm Nick, and I'm extremely tired after this weekend. Oh, come on. You start us off, you know, and... and you're, you're slow, you're groggy. Uh, it's not like you ran a race or anything. I can absolutely feel this way because, well, yeah, we did uh, a 10K race yesterday and the wrap party for the feature production that I'm working on was last night. So add that all up and you get a little tired me today. All right. So, so we got tired, Nick. We have me uh, back on caffeine. I think the last time we recorded... I had gone almost a week straight and actually did make it for a full week. So uh, I, I have the last little bits of uh, my afternoon coffee in me. Good for uh, you, man. To, like, yeah, it was it was a challenge. Uh, we can talk about that if you want. Uh, but I think today we're also going to talk a little bit about Stranger Things. Uh, and there will be spoilers, I'm sure. So uh, if you haven't watched Stranger Things and you don't want spoilers, maybe fast forward to about 20 minutes in. Uh, that's just my guess. And then maybe we'll jump into an update on the feature that Nick's working on that he was just talking about having the rap party for. And uh, maybe we'll talk about my own little feature, possibly, possibly not. Uh, stay tuned for that. So that'll be later in the episode uh, if it all goes according to plan. So, uh, Nick, uh, yeah, Stranger Things and and. <laughs> Your, your rap party? I don't know. Where, where do we want to start with this? Well, uh, I don't know if there's much to, to share about uh, the rap party anyways. It was a rap party. Hard part's over. The the AD gets to take their hat off and finally, you know, breathe a little bit easier. And uh, production crew gets to, you know, drink until they forget the whole experience. <laughs> right. So, so, you know, everybody that was working on it, what, the 10, 20, 30, 40 people, and now it's down to, what, like three three of you? working on it yeah well pretty much myself at the moment myself and the director and until we settle on who's going to be doing the color and the sound and the score that'll be about it Hmm, man that's it's it's so crazy how that stuff works it's it was a hell of a good uh, smooth running operation though three weeks of filming 15 days and at uh, they wrapped on the Friday, so then Saturday, Sunday, Sunday is when the wrap party was, and I surprised the cast crew with. Uh, I showed up with a blooper reel, and I told them I'm going to bring the bloopers, uh-huh, which is you know okay, that's fun, but uh, without telling them at the the end of the blooper reel was a a, a quick sizzle trailer that I put together. Uh, that I just showed to Josh, that I'm sorry that I can't post publicly because it is absolutely not cleared for public release just yet. But uh, when, you know, the, the blooper reel just kind of continued into it. Oh, man, I should have I almost had Snapchat out for that. I'm not quite on the ball, but the reaction was incredible. People were just like totally, you know, the alcohol had it definitely hit them. So maybe that kind of amplified things a little bit, but they were just so happy to see. Uh, a, you know, a small glimpse of the movie, a three-second uh, you know, teaser of it. Uh, and I that's an incredible feeling. I love that feeling so much. Wish I could bottle that and sell it. Dude, it was, it was a badass trailer. Thank you very much. Yeah. It's a lot of fun to make those. And, uh, yeah, it, was, it still uh, got me a little worried, like, right before they were watching it. The, the thought still goes through my head every single time. God, I hope they like it. But uh, <laughs> so, uh, what what do you think the rap party was like for Stranger Things? 
Oh, did, did, do you think know. they thought it would be such a success? I don't even know if productions like that even have rap parties, really. Like, Hollywood style, like, I, I don't know. Oh, they have to. Uh, we wouldn't know. Well, <laughs> productions that involve a lot of kids, like Stranger Things, I have no idea. Like, what, what, do they have a bouncy castle at the rap party? I have no idea. Oh, those kids, those, those were mature kids. <laughs> Even if yeah. they were what? How, how old are they supposed to be in the show? I think they're supposed to be... Um, sixth grade? I don't know, at least that. I, I would think maybe yeah. at least 13, maybe 15. But Oh, no, they're not 15 because the, the boys, they're all in middle school. What? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm Canadian. What's middle school? Uh, six. Well, uh, it's seventh and eighth grade. Some places have sixth grade. Also, I'm one of those places with sixth grade. Okay, so maybe. Okay, maybe like eleven to thirteen would be the age range. I would guess. Yeah. Uh, what is? Wait, you guys don't have middle school? We well, as far as I know, I've never heard of middle school. We have, uh, you know, kindergarten grades uh, one to eight, and then high school. Oh. So and then all right. The, you you also don't you also have bagged milk. And we have bagged milk. We have a a weird. We used to have a weird mutant grade of uh, instead of thirteen. You know, we would have a uh, grade nine, ten, eleven, twelve, and then OAC, which is just like grade thirteen. Yeah, our things don't make sense up here. Not all the time. Yeah. <laughs> bagged yeah. milk doesn't make sense, but we have. At it. least you admit that. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I had R- Rhonda, you know, a couple weeks ago was just touting how great bag milk is. So what's up, Rhonda? How you doing? <laughs> what's up, Rhonda? <laughs> How's your bagged milk? Yeah. <laughs> uh, OK, the, uh, we got it. We got a slogan for our, for our T-shirts one day. How's your bagged milk? <laughs> yeah, no, uh, no sexual connotation to that whatsoever. But uh. Uh, so uh, my, my wife is usually, you know, like two floors up when I'm recording this. But like tonight, I know she's just like right above me. You can probably hear everything that I'm saying for like one of the first times. She's just like, what what the hell do you guys talk about on this show? I'm this sure is, she's thinking that this is the intellectual talk that you guys get into on your podcast and people actually listen to this. No, I don't. Uh-huh. I, I don't believe you. <laughs> oh, but speaking of intellectual talk, I started listening to. The Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. Um, I'm like two episodes in. Was that a podcast uh, or it's book? a podcast? Okay. It's a podcast. It's like space and physics and stuff. But so far, the the people seem pretty smart, and uh, you know, I'm kind of listening above my uh, intellect. You know, uh, boxing weight. Wow, interesting. Yeah. More so uh, if, for if you like that kind yeah. of stuff, uh, give well, that what, a listen. What sort of stuff does it uh, like? What was the last podcast about? Um, let's see. Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. So, um, the most recent one, which I have not listened to yet, um, I can't even say the first word. Uh, Proxima Centura be confirmed. I can't even say the next word. Uh, I can't say the next word. The fight against pseudoscience. Pew belief poll. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, a lot of words I can't say. Wow, so it, that's why it's a podcast. It definitely has yeah. to be listened to. Okay, I get it. <laughs> yeah, I don't have to read this one. Interesting. Uh, all right, but Stranger Things. All right, so we both watched it. We both watched it, and I'm pretty sure, I know you gave a spoiler alert, uh, heads up at the beginning, but let's face it, the world has seen it. 
Uh, and so I th I'm pretty sure that uh, I think we, you and I may have been the last ones to watch it. So, uh, yeah, I don't think we're going to have a problem talking spoilery on the show, but we won't go into like a full-fledged review of it necessarily. Um, so, all right, your overall thoughts, you know, uh, it, you know, tweet version of the show. What did you think? Sure. Um, it was everything that was advertised. And and that was just fine with me. I I enjoyed it. I was entertained. I couldn't put it down. And it was great that it was only eight episodes. Um, you know, it was kind of a nice escape for, uh, you know, every night for half a week uh, to watch, you know, one or two episodes. And it was pretty much what I expected, uh, which, again, wasn't a bad thing. It was extremely hyped, almost overhyped for me, and so I think that I pressed play on it at the right point. Otherwise, if I left it any later, I would have thought, you know what, it's not going to live up to the hype. I keep hearing and seeing this posted everywhere. Everybody seems to love the hell out of this. I won't ever be able to really enjoy it. So I think I picked the right time to press play on it and binge it all in a row didn't even realize I was on the last episode until, you know, I realized like, okay, the, you know, the monster's defeated. Like, oh, I guess they're kind of wrapping up. I had no idea that was the finale. It, it kind of just, just snuck up on me like that. Um, what about this show do you think made it such a, a popular viral hit? Like, it just had so many people so, gushing about it. What I do you mean, think was about it? So, like, you, you look at the target demographic. What is it? You know, like our age, it, it, it's, you know, late 20s to early 40s. And it's, you know, the people who grew up in the 80s or the people, you know, like us who pretended that we grew up in the 80s um, because we're both, you know, mid to late 80s children. Uh, and it's just like I think all that nostalgia uh, people people liked and, and they hadn't seen something like that, you know, uh, done in that manner, you know, recently. Was nostalgia tugging at the the heart at our heartstrings like what what kind of nostalgia uh just nostalgia like it's yeah. it's what uh the trend that people have caught on to what uh, what hollywood is doing is milking our nostalgia for all that it's worth so uh a lot of people uh a lot of our generation you know at least vaguely remember the 80s i barely remember it but uh they're they're playing to that nostalgia that we have for it in that in just recreating the look and feel of movies that came out around that time also depicting what it was like to grow up during that time a lot of us are immediately going to fall in love with that yeah well it wasn't like you know what they do today with teenage mutant ninja turtles you know how it's the same stuff quote unquote it's still leonardo and donatello but it's completely different like that that's not what it is. It's not like a rehash of the past. It's it's more of uh, repeating the past. I don't know if that makes sense. Well, okay. And so, well, in repeating it, do you mean just kind of like you know we're gonna take uh, some you know we're gonna take something that you loved about the eighties and we're gonna going to regurgitate it? Yeah, but uh, but like, all right. If you go back and you watch the Never Ending Story. You know, it is it is a very similar that movie to Stranger Things, you know, uh, it, it's a little more fantasy, never ending story. But it's just like if they took never ending story and they shot it in 
you know, 2016 and use post-production skills in 2016, like that movie would be incredible. And it is an incredible movie, but just like, I just feel like it's that same level of just creativity. Oh, okay. Well, from the very moment you press play and watch the opening, uh, the opening credits, it just smacks of 80s style. Like they did a very, very good job of capturing the style of the graphic design style of the 80s with that opening credits. And so I, I don't think we even need to discuss how much everybody loves those opening credits. The synth music, the, uh, the, the font choice and style of how it was all built, uh, it's beautiful and simple. And as soon as I think it was episode three, a little, you know, a little thing clicked in my head that immediately sent it like a shiver down my spine, a worry that said, oh, God, I I sense it. Every director I know is going to come running, is going to call me and say, I need this. I need Stranger Things. So, like, my movie needs to look like this. It needs to look like Stranger Things. It needs to sound like Stranger Things. It needs to be Stranger Things. And every filmmaker is going to try to take their movie, whether it's they've already kind of started uh, conceptualizing it and starting putting it together, and just kind of ram it into this, you know, inject Stranger Things uh, formula into it. So, all right, besides being set in the 80s, what else are we talking about? Mostly talking about the music and the uh, those stylistic things that 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 mark a movie as uh, like old school 70s, 80s, 90s. Just like smoking inside in a public building. Not no, not even that. That's content. So like the story, them you know the kids starting off playing you know old school Dungeons and Dragons, uh, the fact that everybody has a rotary phone over smart you know all the things that are indicative of that period that the characters reflect that they interact with. I'll 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 put that into the content category. That's you know that means it's a period story that you've written. Okay, I get that. But I mean, and I'm very thankful that they didn't keep this throughout the entire movie. But the opening credits have those, uh, the film scratches going over top of it. I really like how they did not apply that to the look of the entire series because that would just look, I think, awful. But I like how they just included it in the opening credits. That was enough. And I know that I think like the, the grindhouse style push that we experienced about a decade ago that brought uh, you know, that caused a lot of filmmakers to then come to their their crew and say we need to do this this movie did a good job with it we need to copy it so instead of i don't know i don't want to call it trend setting what stranger things has done because it's more like uh it's it's uh, inciting mimicry mm-hmm. you know um when a hit movie comes out, a lot of filmmakers are prone to look at this. Not all, but it does happen. A lot of filmmakers uh, that uh, are in the midst of production may look at at Stranger Things and say, like, that that's what my movie needs. Not necessarily to piggyback off of that, 
but they think like, oh my, you know, everybody seems to love Stranger Things and they go nuts for it. My, you know, maybe my music needs to be synthesized then too. That's what it needs, even though you're not doing an '80s period thing. That's what happened with the feature that I'm working on right now. And uh, it was funny because when, as I was watching Stranger Things, I was worried about this, and the director that you know came to me almost a couple of days later and said, "Would you mind taking you know, using it uh, the uh, Stranger Things music as temp score for some of these scenes?" And I I just shook my head and I said, "Dude." If you really want to, but I'm going to strongly say no, that you, know, you should not do this because it's not what you're filming. It's not an 80s piece. It doesn't fit the style that you're shooting for, that we're editing for. It's trying to slap something, you know, over it that'll make it, you, you think will make it look better, but it's going to clash. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't want to discourage people from from uh, successfully mimicking that style, you know, from using it, absolutely it can be used. But uh, to think that, I don't know, uh, yeah, I don't know what, what proper advice, uh, how I can put this properly, but don't, don't think that, uh, you know, because people love, you know, people love caramel. It tastes fantastic. If you have you know if if you know you make burgers don't think aha i'm gonna put caramel on these burgers and people will love it that might actually taste awesome that might be a really bad example but you know don't 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 uh, overlook the fact that these you know putting these two things together absolutely won't work be, mm-hmm. you, know, you know don't blind yourself to that uh by thinking that people love these two on their own so if you you know I don't know. I'm I'm not really thinking clearly about it. It's all good. It's all good. So I do want to say something that I did like about the show. Uh, it that it is a show is that like for yeah. All right, I'm a huge Walking Dead fan. Uh, I mean, by far my favorite show. But the one thing that drives me absolutely crazy about it is that it leaves so many storylines hanging for episodes at a time. Like you'll you'll go three episodes without seeing one of the main characters and seeing their storyline. And then they'll dedicate the next hour to them. And it's just like, no, I kind of want to see everybody every 10 minutes. And I feel like that's something that stranger things did really well was that it allowed me to kind of stay focused on everything that was going on all at once all the time. Hmm. So I didn't like get lost or anything. Like even if I decided to take a couple days off, like uh, I still feel like I would have been quickly reminded of everything that was going on. Uh, I w- I can't really say much about that because I did end up binge watching it pretty pretty quickly. I tried mm-hmm. to keep myself to one episode a day, and it kind of slipped into two. So I was kind of done with it pretty quickly. Yeah. No. Same here. I am intrigued by their choice of. You know, while keeping it to pretty 80s, see, this is an example right here of how they said we're going to do an 80s period, but uh, with it, you know, an 80s story, and we're going to use some elements that, you know, like, you know, the graphic design, like uh, the music that really lend itself to the production. But when it came to the monster, for instance, they totally CGI that up and mm-hmm. didn't do what 
perhaps someone, some other filmmaker would say, you know, no, this is, we need to do this how they would have done it in the 80s. So Jim Henson puppet, y'all. So I, I'm interested, you know, interested that a lot of people didn't uh, have a problem with that, a full CGI creature. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think it, the creature was done well. I and and you don't—he's not really in it a ton. Um, but I like I just kept, and I'm sure a lot of people just kind of relate it to Pan's Labyrinth. Oh yeah, yeah. And but I feel like I mean it's been a it's been such a long time since I've seen Pan's Labyrinth, but I feel like in Pan's Labyrinth it wasn't CGI. It was, it was you know uh, real real life. I, yeah. I don't know. Was it? I, it might have been a blend, but to my eyes, it looked like uh, too good a blend. Like you know, it it might in some shots it could be real, in some shots it could be CGI. I love when they've achieved that because I can't really tell, mm-hmm. you know, where the where the real ends and the fake begins, sort of. Yeah, well, I I think it it does help that like in Stranger Things compared to Pan's Labyrinth, like you know that this thing doesn't th- this thing is. Uh, odd it's from the upside down it's not from the real world whereas in pan's labyrinth like uh i think it was in like like the little girl like could like see it and feel it and and you knew that like that thing uh was real yeah yeah (laughs) how did you feel about there's been a lot of chatter i've been finding about the sound the sound design of the show okay so all right funny you asked so the first I think the first half of the of the season I watched with headphones. And the second half wow. I watched on this couch that's behind me with the TV across the room. And I will say when I watched with headphones, like I was I was way more into it cuz I just could hear everything. Um maybe mm-hmm. that just says something about, you know, the sound in in the room that I'm sitting and watching it on TV, but like when I had the headphones on, like literally, like I couldn't take my eyes off of it. So, did you prefer uh, overall? Do you prefer uh, like watching something that that has that's trying to establish an atmosphere? Do you usually try to prefer to wear cans on your head for listening to that? Uh, I mean, when I have a moment to enjoy watching a movie or tv show i will take it however i can get it if it's on my phone <laughs> if it's on an ipad if it's on the big screen it doesn't matter i have no preference just give me that damn hour of freedom <laughs> uh there is a very cool article that i did find about there's many of them because I, like i said I, there were more post-production sound articles popping up about stranger things uh than anything else that i've found so far there's one in particular that i found that's an interview uh with uh, one of the folks that were actually worked on the show uh, his name is craig hen hennigan <laughs> hennigan uh and he did uh, sound design for stranger things and so the interview goes into depth of uh how he got involved but also how giving away a few tips and tricks of like how did you create the sound for the creature how did you create the sound of this of like the light bulbs turning on and uh, i'm always really sound is like you know advanced mathematics for me it's a world of, of you know of stuff that i have no idea about so i'm just in awe of people who work in that area the fully artists uh the sound designers the, the people who uh, think very differently from me. I'm a very visual person, so I love talking with sound people because they have a, have a completely different way of approaching filmmaking 
Um, and so I find it really fascinating, especially in this article, when Craig starts to talk about how he went about uh, working on the show, building specific sounds, and how he uh, collaborated with the music that was being composed. It's pretty fascinating stuff. So I'll include that for the show notes for people to read if you want to get a good idea of uh, how some of the sound was designed and also want to find out the mystery of how did he create the creature's sound. Hmm. Huh. All right. Interesting. I'm not going to tell you. Oh, well, you're going to make us read. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> but what if, what if you're me and you can't read you know, the words and you got to listen to everything? <laughs> well, then you're screwed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, well, all right. So kind of want to shift gears uh to a topic that i've been wanting to talk about for a couple weeks now uh if that if that's cool with you nick shift away yeah Yeah. so all right so i was working on part of a project for this feature that's being shot and uh it was more or I, i was i was asked to uh asked to edit it and to give an estimate you know for the job uh and and go from there. And, you know, I, I talked a lot offline with Nick just about like how I would do this. And, you know, I didn't know if I wanted to do it. And it was actually a really tough decision for me because, um, one, it's on, uh, it's on a topic that, you know, I, I do, I, I think I would enjoy working on. Um, two, it's a feature, uh, which I've always wanted to edit because I, I do not have a feature under my belt. And three, it's a documentary, which I've also always wanted to edit. So it's just Ooh. like these factors that are just like drawing me in, telling me that I should edit this thing. But but as a freelancer, I know that my time is limited and time equals money. And the money and the time that it's going to take is going to absolutely crush like every other project that I'm working on and every other project that I could be working on. Okay. So you just brought, you brought up a lot of things that we could probably talk about. I know. I'd love to get into, but I would, since you are free to talk about it, I, I would actually like to know, I'm sure our listeners would like to know a little bit more. Uh, how did this opportunity ever even come to you? Because you're usually a commercial editor. So how did you find out about this feature opportunity in the first place? Uh, yeah. So I, uh, edited, um, so that this film was being shot, it still is being shot, and they wanted to do a Kickstarter campaign for it, uh, and they didn't have they didn't have an editor for the film yet. Um, so I I was referred through somebody else who was asked to do the job, and they couldn't do it. Um, so I came in um, because it is you know a essentially commercial. Um, it's a commercial for a film. Uh, And so I made some social media videos for them and I spent like three days in their office and I had a really good time and experience doing it. Um, But I just I just kind of know the budgetary constraints (laughs) and just after the time working with them, like I don't think I'd be able to give the project the type of the type of love and dedication that it that it would deserve and documentaries Just, require a lot of love and mm-hmm. a lot of time. That's the unfortunately the sick trade-off with documentaries, which is really unfortunate because I also have uh, in, an interest in documentary editing myself. However, the way that it goes is it generally takes a lot longer 
compared to a feature film or a TV series to edit a feature or to edit a documentary because of the amount of footage that you need to go through and the fact that when you sit down to edit, you may not know, the director may not know the story. Yeah, so that that's exactly right. So uh, I had about maybe 30 hours of footage. And remember, I mean, I edited four two-minute videos and then the five-minute trailer. I had then three days based on like 30 hours of footage um, from like four different stories from four different people mm-hmm. and then the, the, the trailer. So, uh, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right because for each of those stories, like the client came back and it was just like, I didn't know that that story was in there, like for each, you know, each person. And like it, it was, it was really helpful for them because they're like, oh, like I can kind of see where to take the feature now. And I just know like as, as the, as the potential editor for that project, like I would need to essentially, I, I did 13 minutes worth of, worth of a film you know, for, for that project. And I busted my tail trying to figure that out. And I just know if I multiplied that by, you know, what, uh, by eight or nine or 10 to get a full feature, like in the next like two months of editing that, that's going to take up all my command edit time. I'm going to have to say no to other clients and, Ultimately, like I didn't want to resent the project, so uh, so yeah. Spo- spoiler: uh, I I did not accept the editing position, which was really tough for me. Kind of got that, and it is it is a difficult decision to take on something like this. Uh, to uh, if you have an opportunity come your way, that a lot of freelancers will have someday, hopefully, the opportunity to work on some long form job that may take over a month maybe six months maybe a year could be even longer Um, and it's a very difficult decision to weigh not just is the amount of money worth the time but also you you also have to think about it in terms of what opportunities will I have to say no to to devote time to this to get this Mm -hmm. done yeah, I know uh, we have a listener, uh, Jeff, who's been editing this documentary for like the past year and a half or two years. And like, that's just like, that sounds so crazy to me. Yeah, um, I I have a, a huge uh, amount of respect for documentary filmmakers, let alone editors, because of, again, the amount of time and patience it takes to put these together. And the I, I dare say the amount of success, the likelihood of success you, you risk not, uh, you know, your film not getting as much exposure as, say, if you were to do like a sci-fi or horror movie. So I do think that documentaries have hit a trend lately in the last few years where they are much more popular now. They're much more accessible. You know, it's, uh, you know, the documentary tab on Netflix, I'm sure, is full of fantastic films, and I get recommendations all the time. I love hearing people talk about them, so I love that it is at a high right now. It's still not as popular as, say, Stranger Things or, uh, you know, any other show or movie that comes out. So it's a, a much bigger fight for documentary filmmakers to get their films noticed and to to see their efforts pay off so for that reason and there 
there are documentary filmmakers who are purely documentary filmmakers. They don't do like, oh, the occasional documentary, but they'll do, you know, some other work on the side. No, like I know people who that's what they do full time because they love it and it's a struggle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, I mean, for me, like the if I was judging success, like, yeah, it would be great to to get the movie on Netflix and, and to to raise a ton of awareness for, you know, the cause it was after. But like for me, like for selfish, like this is completely selfish and vain reasons. It was I just wanted the experience. And so out of curiosity, like what was the when they did offer this documentary to you, what was the offer? Made, you know, like I don't mean money or anything like that, but what were they what were they asking for? What do you mean? For, like they wanted me to edit it. They said that, you know, they want you to edit it, but did they say, you know, we want you to, you know, it's going to involve this amount of time or did they go into how they wanted to work with you on it? Or uh, did it just start and stop with, are you interested? It, it pretty much was, are you, are you interested? Um, and because I knew, I mean, I would be doing everything I, I would do. I would just essentially take all the footage, no assistant editor, nothing like that. Um, and cut the story together myself. Uh, and then color, audio, all that would be on me also. Oh, um, yeah. So I'm just like for, uh, let's call it, um, under $6,000. Like, no, no, I can't do that. <laughs> I, I mean, so I was just kind of like, uh, asking around, you know, different friends, like, what would you charge for this? Uh, and I know like another freelancer buddy of mine, he was like, I wouldn't even respond for under 15 and I'm just like, okay, like that's really good to know because I mean, this is the first time I'm like, I've had to do something like this or to give a bid on something like this. And I'm like, that, that number was actually higher. At least the, I wouldn't even respond number was higher than, than mine. So, wow. uh, so that, that was, that was good to hear. Um, I also had a conversation very recently with a, uh, with a friend of mine who, um, who, uh, I didn't expect them to come to me with this question, but it was a similar question of, I just got offered, uh, I got, I got offered this job. It wasn't for a feature. It was for actually for commercial. Uh, but this is a person who like, I, I actually went to years ago for advice, uh, you know, on editing myself. And so I, I always thought, uh, you know, he's definitely got more experience than me, but I guess he, he took a bit of a hiatus because he called me up today and said, hey, I just got a call for a job, a commercial job going to involve a few days. And I have no idea what uh, what they've asked me what, what my rate is and I don't know what to answer them. So we had I think it just need to kind of you know, rejar his memory a little bit, uh, but to to kind of go through the thinking of, well, you know, here's how to, you know, how we can come to how you can arrive at your rate. But uh, I think we've done a previous episode just on that. Um, if I was more aware of our podcast yeah. episodes, then I'd be able to, to recall that. I'll find the link and I'll include that, to how you can uh, establish what your daily rate is. I'll put that in the show notes for, yeah, so, for the listening. So, like, my, my issue with this was, like, I know my rate. I know how much I charge per day, per hour. Um, and I just don't know how to quantify, like, how much work it would take to edit a narrative. So, I mean, like my, my range was like, this could cost you between 8,000 and $23,000, you know, it like, it depends on you and what you're looking for out of me. 
Uh, and, and I do feel like they would want uh, the higher number uh, type of work, but want to pay me the lower number. <laughs> and especially with documentaries, they do stretch into easily um, years, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, uh, a couple of years of post-production to uh, to get it done, depending on the subject matter, depending on, uh, you know, do you need other material to supplement it? Do you need to go find stock footage? Do you need to license any other, uh, like, you know, what else do you need to put into it? Because there are some documentaries that rely, uh, you know, once they've shot their interviews and their, their B-roll and whatnot, uh, that's only half of it. You know, the rest of it is, you know, we, if we're talking about an historical event, we need to go find stock footage about this. And then we need to find out, okay, can we license that? How much is that going to cost? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, it's huge. And I, and I feel like a lot of that, like, would have fallen on me, like, like to go find that stuff. And I'm just like, no, like, I just want to sit down and edit. Um, there was an article that was perusing around for a while, and uh, I only thought of it now because it pertained to. Uh, I, I wondered when they, when these people approached you, if they tried to entice you with the idea. I'm not sure, if, you know, if the subject matter was something that uh, they would have said, like, "Well, our documentary is about this, and it's a hot topic. It's going to be hugely successful. So, you know, cut us a break, or." Uh, you know, this will be really good for exposure or something like that. But what was the what was the documentary uh, like synopsis? What was what did they say it was about? Uh, I mean, it's about um, just a, a handful of, of young individuals who have a different type of special needs, um, either through uh, mental challenges or physical challenges. And it was essentially spotlighting uh, their struggles and making people aware of the different disorders. Okay. Hey, that seems like a really good doc to put together, especially mm-hmm. and it seems like something that would be uh, trendy, n- trending now. I mean, there's there's more of a spotlight and it's growing on uh, mental health awareness and the people mm-hmm. who suffer from it and the stigma that surrounds it. So that would be a great topic. So uh, not to say that this is what they what they did. You know, I'm not saying this is what they did to you, but especially with documentaries, there's usually a in my experience. Uh, a plea for you know documentaries they're low budget but you know we have a mission behind ours ours you know there's a heartfelt message behind ours ours has a purpose to better the world or you know there's there's a mission that documentaries have that supersedes the pure entertainment value of uh, TV and movies so there can usually be uh, a, a, an ask from the filmmakers to well, can you drop your rate or do you know do this you know prorated or something like that or can we give you a cut of the movie or something like that, uh, the movie sale yeah, yeah. I, and i think like i'm not saying that the topic isn't important but like if this was something a lot closer to me like uh like um the local baseball program from the town that i grew up in is having a revitalization and like all this stuff and helping kids you know transform their lives let's call it that like Mm. that's something that would be like near and dear to me that like i would do for free you know uh Mm. but like it just wasn't it just didn't call to me like that so so if that exposure card was played like that that doesn't that doesn't do anything for me i don't know but that's just me though now and I did I what I did start talking about why this reminded me of a particular article. Maybe you saw it 
making its way around. I'm sure a number of people have read it by now or at least seen it. Uh, have you seen the article being posted any, any, by anybody uh, called Nobody Wants to Make Your Fucking Movie? Uh, I've just I've just seen it, you know, just sitting on Facebook, but I haven't clicked on it yet. It's a nice little article, so don't let the title deceive you. It's not it's perfectly uh, you know, well written, well, well worded. But uh, the I'll include that link in the show notes if you want to read it. But uh, the too long didn't read version is uh, you're not special. Your screenplay is not special. So stop asking people to work for it for free. Because, you know, you, you know, it's your child, you're in love with it, you know that it's going to be, you know, hugely successful and, you know, it's part of a trend, it's the next Stranger Things or it's a hot topic, um, you know, that's why it'll be, you know, your, your screenplay is perfect in your eyes. Don't think that everybody is going to look at it and, you know, want to work for free on it. You need to fight to get people interested in working on your movie, if you're going to be asking them to invest their time, their discounted time, uh, or you know, working for free or something like that, so uh, I there there are a number of times that filmmakers will approach you and ask you, can you cut your rate down or work for free, or you know, can you give a little bit more than you're getting to work on this? And they may be sensitive to when you say no. And mm-hmm. they, may, so, they may they may react in a way that says you know you have no idea what you're saying no to like this is a this is a hot movie here you know people are going to be lining up to see this thing um, yeah it's, it's so, so it so, serves as kind of a wake up call to these filmmakers so like uh, for me at least like I, I completely understand negotiating and and all that like I I don't fault anybody for asking me to give a lower rate. Uh, like, like, cool. That's just business capitalism 101. But like, as soon as somebody asks me to do something for free, if they have the balls to ask me to do something for free, like, no, <laughs> just, just no. If I'm doing anything for free, it's because I, I am volunteering that. And uh, <laughs> I, I've actually, I've talked a lot about this, and and over at my my site, Edit Video Faster, like I've talked about this a, a, a bunch of times. Like, I do work for free. I work for free all the time. But it's only for stuff that that I that I go and uh, I say first, like I'll do this for free. Yeah, you know I I'm not above doing things for free. Hell, I love finding things that I'm uh, I'm really interested in doing because of the subject matter or because of a name attached to it or because a certain director or filmmaker that I know is working on it. Like there, I am absolutely all game for. Uh, dropping my rate for when I decide to, but it's the filmmakers who expect that. Yeah. Um, I actually recently had, uh, this isn't a filmmaking thing necessarily, but somebody asked me to, uh, uh, they were in charge of a live event that's going to run once a month locally for, you know, from now till, you know, whenever, end of time until they can't anymore. But uh, they had just started out and they said, you know, we're, gonna, we're starting really small. We're going to grow really big. I have, you know, dreams, aspirations of this growing into, uh, you know, something where a venue of 500 people is going to get packed every single month, 500,000 people. It's going to be huge. And they asked me to volunteer my time, um, you know, undeterminable, uh, you know, end date. Just can you volunteer each month to 
to shoot a video of this event and supply me with video to market this thing. And trust me, you know, we'll get to a point where, uh, where I can then pay you. And my answer was a very polite, thank you. I'm very, you know, your event sounds very nice. I cannot afford to do that and I'm not interested in it. So, uh, you know, you know, both I'm not interested. Plus also, even if I was can't afford it, it's a lot of time. No way can I dedicate it to that. And, uh, but I left it, I left the door open by saying, you know, when you do have funds later on down the line, if you want to explore hiring me to the, to cover video, I would be all for that. And their response was, uh, they were, they were hurt that I could not see the genius behind this event. Uh, you know, what is this, what this is going to be. And they said, uh, that, you know, well, I'm, I'm volunteering my time. I've got my assistant over here volunteering my time. Uh, we're all, vol- you know, we have volunteers who are, vol- you know, who are putting in their time to make this event work. So, uh, you know, I expect everyone else, everybody to do that. Anybody who's going to be involved has to volunteer their time. Uh, and uh, they were pretty insulted that, uh, uh, that the, I was, uh, I, I basically said, uh, you know, no, when you've got money, then we can talk. That's how he interpreted it. Like, I want someone who's legit interested in this event from the from ground zero, not someone who is, uh, not someone who's just going to hold that for money later down the road. So, <laughs> as oh, to this day, um, I have seen the video setup that they have. It stinks. <laughs> so whoever <laughs> they got, <laughs> you could have made it so much better. Oh yeah. <laughs> I actually went to uh, I, I said I wasn't going to give the guy any of my money. I didn't want I wasn't interested in going to the event. However, one of my friends did go speak at the event. So I did actually go uh, and uh, shook the guy's hand. And, you know, he was very, very fake smiley and oh, so happy to see you. And uh, there was one point at the very start before they even started the, the video, uh, you know, audio wasn't coming to the camera. So the video video was uh, fucked up. And uh, the setup was fucked up. And uh, the camera operator who knew me looked over to me and said, you know, kind of with her eyes, like, can you help? And uh, I kind of said, well, no, (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm sorry, but I kind of refuse because you're, you know, the the guy running this kind of pissed me off. So, (laughs) no, he doesn't, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't want my paid help and he doesn't he's pretty insulted that I wouldn't volunteer. So I don't, yeah, I'm not going to step in. Oh, so, uh, I don't know. You're, you're maybe wishing, uh, a little bit of time spent in the upside down for, for that person. See, and there's a reference I can get. I I, I was trying to tie it back to stranger things. I did a poor job, but, uh, I, I figured, you know, kind of, kind of bring us back full circle somehow. So, uh, yeah. 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 Give, give me like a, a a four for effort and like a two for actual execution. No, oh, that was good. It was, it was good. Um, by the way, I am catching up on my you know game of Game of Thrones on Dem Thrones, so I'm I'm steadily getting to the point where I can I'll be able to pass uh, Game of Thrones references back and forth with you. Okay, all right, and uh, now in my you know you know minutes of spare time uh i'm trying to catch up on house of cards and like i think we've been talking about me trying to catch up on house of cards since we started like episode one of this wow well I've... and I'm, I'm still on season three 
to be fair, like I'm still in season one of Game of Thrones, so we're both moving at a pretty snail's pace. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, cool, good talk today. Uh, talk some Stranger Things. Yeah. Talk some uh, rap parties. Uh, rap with a W. Um, it's time to find out what our listeners thought of uh, of uh, not, not Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. What do you think about Game of Thrones? Let me know. Uh, no spoilers, please, though. I know everybody dies, but I don't know. In what order they die? Now, what did you think of uh, Stranger Things? Because we assume that you, like the rest of the world, has uh, you know you have seen it by now. So, uh, what did you think of the you know that uh, nostalgia uh, style that uh, that they're using? That's also kind of apparent in a lot of shows and movies that are coming out now. And uh, what would you do if a director came to you and said, "Give me Stranger Things. Give me that music. Give me that look. Give me that feel." Um, is it something you want to jump on board with and copy, or uh, would you rather not? Hmm. Well, if Winona Ryder's in it, count me in. <laughs> oh, you're a Winona fan, are you? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, growing up, you know, celebrity crush. Uh, she did good. Yeah, yeah, she did really well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All cool. right, all right, let's wrap this up. Where uh, Where can people find us? Well, you can find us over on our website, uh, commandeditpodcast.com. If you would like to find us on Twitter, then tweet us at commandedit. Let us know that you listened to this episode and you also watched Stranger Things. Let us know what you thought. Uh, if you have any questions that you'd like us to answer for you, because uh, we do absolutely love getting emails and uh, answering some questions about post-production or about our uh, intimate lives, um, email us at uh, commandeditpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, Nick, Nick will check that email account because I tend to always forget to no absolutely it's great uh we've got a cool bunch of episodes coming up so make sure that you guys have subscribed and if you enjoy the podcast as always leave us an itunes review we really appreciate it and it helps the show out by uh, getting a little bit more exposure for us yes and uh we have some interviews coming up uh, i think we have one scheduled for this week that nick is leading uh and maybe one the following week tbd uh but yeah lots of good things uh coming up uh you know we'll be here each and every week or at least close to that uh you know as much as we can for you guys mm-hmm, absolutely so thank you guys for listening i'm nick and i'm josh and you're you see ya see ya <laughs>